I'm April Morrison, doctor of physical therapy, accidental entrepreneur, and lifelong learner. You're tuned in to the Idaho Physio Podcast, where we talk about things, health, wellness, and high performance in all areas of life. The big goal here is to talk to high achievers and those that surround themselves with the top performers in their fields to get some insights, tips, and inspiration that we can all use in our daily lives. The title may say Idaho, but the content reaches far beyond our borders and is relevant for everyone, regardless of where you find yourself. As always, the content you are about to hear does not replace the medical advice of your doctor, so please seek professional opinions should you need them. Now kick back, relax, and enjoy the episode. We are glad you're here. All right, we are back. Let's do this. Uh, this is April Morrison, the Idaho Physio, and today we have Ryan Hills from Washington State um, as our guest today, which is actually kind of a big deal. Uh, Ryan, don't tell him I said this, even though he's listening, is a big deal in his industry. He has been in mortgages for over 15 years and promoting um, content and, and all that stuff for at least the last 10 on his RE source. Um, so in his off time, uh, he likes to spend endless hours at, uh, the office at movement mortgage over uh-huh. in, in, uh, in Washington and he's just crushing it, uh, doing some amazing things for that company. So I am just so fortunate to be able to introduce him, a uh, guy I've known for a couple of years now. So, Hey, welcome to chat with us. Thank you. Well, welcome. Thanks for having me. I mean, I'm kind of blushing from that intro, but uh, not a big deal at all. I work hard and fortunate to have a really amazing team. And we are accomplishing some cool things uh, this year, but uh, nothing special, but just hard work and commitment. Lies, lies, lies. All right. (laughs) So uh, it's actually probably strange for you to be on the opposite side of this coin. You do a lot with our resource um, in the real estate industry and do a lot of interviews and chat with people. And um, you're just crushing it with content. Um, Super fun to watch too, even though I'm not in the industry, it's kind of cool to hear what's going on. And I always hear it in the background in our house too. Um, So I hear your voice all the time in our house, which is very strange since you're in Washington. and (laughs) I love that. I'm in your head. (laughs) And I love that we're crossing over too, just not realtors and lenders. And that's like one of our nicest compliments that we get is when somebody that's not in the industry actually values the content that we create. So honestly, as a means a lot that you guys find value in that. Yeah, absolutely. And especially because you explain it in ways that I, even I can understand someone that's not in the industry. And, you know, I've only purchased one home in my life. Um, the fact really? that, yeah. Yep. Um, wow. So the fact that, you know, I can, I get what you're saying and it makes total sense to me. You're either lying really well <laughs> or you're just really good at explaining it. So maybe you can start by kind of giving us a tour of how you got into this field and how you started doing it. Um, it's interesting when, when talking about the communication method, um, you know, we were talking about earlier things that set up people apart, like successful people and ones that are trying to be successful type thing. 15 years ago, there was probably the most successful person in the business back then was a guy named Barry Habib who ended up selling his company for multi millions of dollars. Um, and then ended up doing like Broadway and owns the show of Rock of Ages, has a show on Vegas. He's a personal friend of mine now. But I remember saying the same thing that you just said to me. So that means the world to me, which is like, Barry, man, like you talk about really complex things 
but I understand them. And he was a master in communication. I remember 10 years ago when I started creating content with the RE source, that was my goal. Like I'm going to try to break down really complex things and kind of be like very like emulate somebody that's been there, done that on a world-class level. So um, definitely took years to get there and practice and commitment. Um, if you go back and watch the shows that we started 10 years ago, I mean, they're laughable, just like anything, just like when you start, you know, working out for the first time, uh, like, oh, that was a terrible workout. I only lasted 20 minutes and didn't accomplish much, but years later or months later, you know, you're, you're able to do quite a bit more. So uh, the communication thing was merely me just trying to emulate somebody that was so successful at a high level. And I appreciate you saying that, but 10 years ago to your question, we started the show because I was a young originator after the great recession without any business. And I was just sharing this with one of our new LOs and she was asking questions about how, how could she build her business? And she's having a tough time right now. It's COVID people aren't out, you know, she's a loan officer trying to build a successful business. And typically we work with realtors. Well, realtors aren't at the office and some of them are busy. Some of them are really slow. So she's got a really tough challenge at hand. And I said, well, my approach kind of told the story that I won't get into is 10 years ago, I needed to figure out a way to be relevant in my community. I wasn't working with any realtors. I had no referral partners. Nobody knew my name. Nobody even cared. And I started a show called The Resource with Ryan Christensen, who's still with me today as our as a partner in The Resource. And our goal was just to simply be relevant. Like I, I've got to, people have got to learn who I am and I've got to provide value and try to be relevant to them. And it was a gravitational pull strategy to try to, you know, attract referral partners into at least, first of all, knowing my name and then going, is this guy maybe somebody I want to work with? And it worked. I mean, it didn't work right out of the gate, just like most things. It, you know, it took work and we had to both learn a lot. Uh, both were self-taught how to communicate, how to shoot a video, edit a video, build a website. You know, RC was, RC was learning his stuff. I was learning how to try to communicate in a short, concise manner. And over time it worked and we were, our original goal was to be relevant in Puyallup and we ended up gaining views in every state, you know, across the country. And that's when we knew we were onto something special and that led to bigger and better things. And we got to, we've traveled the country and we've spoke to organizations and individuals and we kind of just shared and poured our heart out with them because it's not something that we monetize. It's more of like, that we're super passionate about it. Right. So it's super rewarding, at least for me, RC and Nikki might think differently, but you know, we get to add value into the, the world's biggest industry, which is real estate. And if we can be an influencer into that industry, that's pretty cool in my book. Yeah, I, I've seen that your name has popped up as keynote speaker a few times for places. Mm -hmm. And I know people recognize RC everywhere you guys go, yep. um, sometimes more often than you. So that's pretty yes. nice to talk about. Um, uh, I'm in the corner while he's signing autographs. Typically. <laughs> but it, I think it's important to know that it takes kind of a team and a village to, to do that, to get sure. you know the information out there um, and to make sure that what you're saying, like you said, is relevant, that people can relate to it, and then they can understand it too. Not not just in the industry you're in, but, you know, beyond. So yeah, cool. and it's, it's afforded us so many abilities to work. Like, again, I mentioned Barry, he was probably the most successful person. And again, in, in the biggest industry. So you got to put that in context. That's a big saying. And so we've been able to do that over 10 years, work with the best of the best in the biggest industry, handle, handling billions of dollars and learning like what makes them tick you know, uh, trying to emulate them like, oh man, like success 
in my opinion, isn't really hard to find like the blueprint for, you can find that. What's hard is implementing and having like the work ethic, which is, I think, one number one thing that separates people uh, in terms of being successful or not is the work ethic to go, okay, I see the blueprint. Am I willing to do what the blueprint takes? Same way, like if you're working out, most people can see that blueprint, like eat better, (laughs) run, be active, lift weights and be consistent. We're just not like committed enough to do it. It's not a secret. It's the blueprints there. We just, and including myself, like I struggle with my weight a lot. I've been trying to get in better shape and it just, I've never seemed to get there, but I'm not going to give up. You know, here I am years later, still trying to get to that, you know, place where I feel comfortable. Um, that's the, the big differentiator is the work ethic and commitment to, you know, try a thing and then fail, but then try another thing and another thing and another thing until you get to the thing that finally succeeds. Have you found that? Yeah, that totally makes sense. Have you find found that when you try the thing and then you fail, do you try like multiple things at the same time? Or are you just kind of doing one and pouring all your heart and energy into that? And then that doesn't work, or maybe it takes off and then you try another thing. Or do you always have like a ton of iron in the fire when you're going? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think what I've learned and what I've watched, and again, working with people across the country is top performers hate failure, but they, they actually seek it. Like they, they work so hard to find that failure. Again, my analogy I've been referencing is kind of working out and getting in shape. Um, think about how we get our bodies in shape. We take them to failure, right? right. Like you lift, you know, doing bench, like maybe a hundred times. So you can't do it again. And then you're sore for another day or two. You've taken those muscles to failure and then they do what they rebuild themselves stronger. So the top performers consistently fail, but they're not afraid of it. They hate that they fail because they're top performers. Like they're driven like no nobody's business, but it doesn't paralyze them. That's where most people I see and I've worked with will try a thing, it'll fail. And that's not, you know, it's typical. It's not crazy that you failed, uh, but they'll stop. You know, they'll stop video. We get asked all the time about video, obviously. And and the, the secret to video is it just like any strategy is the uh, commitment to it moving forward. Mm-hmm. All right, I tried this one. It didn't work. Okay, well, what are you going to try next? Right. So that's probably the second most valuable thing I see in working with top performers and influencers is they'll continue to try things to find failure. And then eventually they'll find the thing that works. And to your question, yeah, the more, the more irons you had in the fire, the more things that you're trying, of course, you're going to find out, you're going to learn even from your failures, right? You're going to learn what doesn't work. So if you're trying four or five things, we're going to find out pretty quick what doesn't work. And we're eventually going to find what does work. The important thing is that if you're not finding failure in your life, in my opinion, you're not pushing hard enough. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that a lot of people, you know, they have a hard time getting out of their comfort zone as it is. And so they get just a tiny little bit out and then they're successful and they say, okay, now I'm just going to go just a tiny bit more. And they take it in a lot of baby steps as opposed to just skyrocketing and, you know, push to the end of that limit and see what you can get to Um, because it's a little more comfortable for people. And then if they fail, they don't fail so hard or so big. Um, Yeah. When really they're losing out, you know, they're the comfortability is the crutch, like you said, and it's that old saying of being, what is it being, being comfortable, being uncomfortable. I am like, I don't, it's in my DNA now. I don't have to fight it. Like I'm actually uncomfortable when I'm in too much of an easy setting. Like I need to be pushing myself harder to find failure, uh, the team as well. 
because I know that I'm getting complacent. How did you get to that point where you're comfortable being uncomfortable? Throwing yourself in the deep end over and over again. Really? You know, literally like the first time you're looking at it and you're like, oh my God, I can't jump in. And you've got to overcome the first time that you jump into the deep end. And then you're like, you get out and you're like, okay, I didn't die. Okay, let's do it again. And do it. And then eventually it's not something you have to work on. It's part of your DNA, but you consistently have to throw yourself in that deep end and consistently find failure and know that it didn't kill me. I'm still alive. And the best part is I know what not to do and I'm going to try something new moving forward. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. I think that, um, you know, throwing yourself into the deep end can be a scary thing. And, but I think after you do it over and over again, you know, you end up being an Olympic swimmer <laughs> and exactly great you, point. Cause that's all you can do. Right. So, yeah. I mean, uh, Megan, uh, is another, uh, oddly enough works with Barry Habib and, um, out of New York and she just started a podcast from day one. And you probably know something about that. That can be scary. And you throw yourself in the deep end and you do one, you're like, okay, that, you know, wasn't too scary. I accomplished it, found some value, had a great conversation. And, and then you find out, oh my goodness, you're, you know, maybe you're Joe Rogan years later and you got the world's number one podcast, but it would have never started had you not thrown yourself in the deep end and tried the podcast. So, you know, anybody listening, whatever that is, if it's a podcast or starting video or, you know, tiptoeing in a social working out, like throw yourself in the deep end, do it again, do it again. And eventually to April's first question, it's like, it eventually becomes your DNA. You don't have to work at that. And you're finally comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's where, you know, that's where you refine and find, in my opinion, like true success. So I know you surround yourself with a lot of people that tend to throw themselves kind of head first in the deep end. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you do a lot of you know recruiting of people and getting a lot of people on board your team. You've got an amazing team up there in Washington, not just your RE source guys, but you know with movement mm-hmm. as well. And so I, I didn't know if there's a trait or a common thread, you know, beyond the whole not being a, afraid to fail. If there's mm-hmm. other things that you notice with these high achievers, high performers that either a habit or a way of life um, that they have that you seek when you're trying to add someone. Yeah. And it's with my team and then also, you know, traveling and seeing some of the, you know, mega, mega producers that are doing hundreds of millions. It's kind of those, those traits as well. And it's the first two are work ethic and then, you know, being okay with failure, hating it, but knowing that it's not the end of the world. Those are probably my top two that I see the most. Okay. Um, and I've learned over time, but then actually, you know, it's funny. I know a lot of people that are successful and they don't have a plan. That would be my third one, like an actual strategy that they run. Hmm. It's crazy. They, they actually have good success in their lives. They're making money that most people, you know, would be like, Oh my goodness, I wouldn't dream of. And they don't write down a thing. Like they don't have a business plan. They're not revisiting it. They're not looking at it. And I'm not advocating for no plan. What I'm saying is I know people that are successful with that, but I've also watched them consistently hit a ceiling, Okay. you know, and the truly special ones, those next level people. And I'm talking like the Tom Brady's of the world, maybe Casey Crossford's of the world, uh, Russell Wilson, you know, our quarterback, you know, he always says the separations and the preparation. If you want to separate yourself, it's in the preparation. And that to me separates like, okay, top performers is one thing. CEOs, executives, you know, change makers, influencers, you know, the Apple CEOs and, you know, Gary V's of the world, they have a plan that they are actually executing and daily, weekly going back and 
again, kind of back to my earlier thing, what worked, what didn't work, not afraid of failure. So let's try this. Let's try this. That's the big one that separates the big boys from the next level is actually having a plan and a strategy, implementing it. And I mean, Gary Vee is a great example to that. If anybody watches Gary Vee, you'll see him constantly trying new things, but he definitely, there's, there's a method to his madness, even though it doesn't seem like there is. Okay. He's really good at hiding the, the strategy of, oh, I just happened to be getting on this plane, dropping this awesome, you know, bit of knowledge. Oh, whoops, it got recorded and that went viral. No, that was all by design and all by plan. He just right. is really good at making it look like this was just this authentic moment that happened on the fly, right? Those, yeah. That's what really separates people is having that strategy and that plan and constantly revising it. Um, sure, you can find some success without any plans and strategy. Special ones? They're just a little bit different. So do you yourself follow like a daily ritual or like you have to be up at this time, you have to have be at work by this time, or are you kind of more of a free flow, you know, like to go wake up when you wake up or, you know, how, how does that work for you? I, it's, um, it's funny. I'm ha- I got newer LOs in the business and they're finally getting some business and they're struggling to work an eight hour day. Now, between you and I and everybody watching, they probably have enough work in the day to do about two hours worth of work. But for them, it's taking eight hours and they can't get anything done. Their hair's on fire. And it's because they, they don't have a strategy to their day. They're, they're, there's, no, there's no plan to it. Right. And so they're taken with the wind wherever that may blow. So for me, I'm not like ultra neurotic about my day, but there's certainly a plan, especially with working out and being consistent with scheduling my workouts. And then... This is what I'm going to accomplish in the morning, whether that's going to be income producing activities or maybe fulfilling a bunch of the loans that we have, you know, uh, writing the RE source. Uh, the, the special ones actually are very, very uh, proactive about scheduling their day. The reactive ones, mm-hmm. their efficiency goes, you know, drops so bad because again, there's, there, there's not really any plan or strategy throughout the day. So I'm, I'm very particular about my calendar. It's, First of all, it's digital. It's not written down. So no matter where I go, it's here too. Right. And I also use my calendar as things that remind me of what I'm working on. So if I have a consistent theme that I'm working on, um, or maybe a certain trait or attribute or a goal, it'll be the first thing that I see every morning when I wake up. So the first thing before I start working out or start my, my you know, emails It'll be in there every day. It's a rem- it's a reoccurring event, and it's it's coded green mm-hmm. for a reason. So I see it. I'm reminded. It's top of mind uh, for a long while. Uh, it was a simple one: is hashtag two hundred five, and that was the way that I wanted to get down to. Okay. I wanted to get down to two hundred five, and so every day I'm like, what am I doing to get to two hundred five today? Am I eating better? Did I run? Did I work out? And I hit that, and the goal for me and the payoff is I get to kind of move that off. Yeah. And then insert the next, the, the next thing I'm working on every day or every week or every month. And I don't, I will not remove it until I have accomplished it. So whatever that personal or professional goal is, it's in my calendar. It's the first thing I look at. And then I start my day and it's very planned out as much as I can, but uh, I can get a lot done in a day because of that. And again, what separates top formers from not is they have the same strategy. I mean, when you're doing you know, when, when, when your husband's doing 60 loans a month or whatever it is, there's, there's no way you, you can do that without a strategy. Right. There's simply no way. And without a team, like, you know, to what you said earlier, um, again, he's an ultra performer. He's a rock star. 
And there's, there's a lot of strategy to how he built his business, how he's building it and how he's, how he fulfills it. So again, the blueprint isn't hard. It's right there. You can see, you know, you can see it, you get the answers to the test, right? What's hard. Are you, are you going to take the time to implement that every single day? And then are you going to be committed to that? Yeah, no, you're right. I, you know, it, I think that is the hard part is a lot of people can look at the plan in front of you, you can see that roadmap, but it's, do you have that grit in you to actually do the things that need to be done? Or are you going to just kind of wuss out and be like, meh, I know it's there. I could do it, but I can't because of X, Y, Z, because, you know, it's too hard or I don't have enough time or, you know, I, my spouse or children or pets need to take priority or parents or whatever it is. Um, I think we we're kind of a society of excuses sometimes when, yeah. And we wonder, you know, how come that person has that success? Well, because they have the grit. That's kind of what I like to, to say. Yeah, you, it's, it's probably natural for us to look at that person and go, wonder why they have that success, right? And, and you kind of scratch your head. There's a really good book called uh, Talent is Overrated that I read years ago. And the premise, the general premise is nobody is born with talent. Like Tiger Woods wasn't born an amazing golfer and Mozart wasn't. And it goes through all these examples throughout life with art and athletes and CEOs. And, and a lot of people will be like, oh, so-and-so is so good at young, a young age until you really look at their story and see that Tiger Woods had a golf club at age three. He wasn't right. born with anything. Like we're born blank slates. We're a product of our environment, good, bad, right, wrong, or indifferent. Right. Well, his environment was a golf club in his hand, you know, and, and the, uh, the examples with art and music their fathers were successful and put a paintbrush in their hand at a young age or started composing music at a young age. And so that all kind of goes to show you that it's, it's nobody's born with the talent. Nobody's born with that, you know, a, a successful business. They learn that over time and they, yes, they maybe achieved a lot at a young age with like say Tiger Woods, but you don't see all the hustle and grit all the way up that started at age three, you know, to get them to win a you know junior championship. I think it was age 10, 11 or 12. So that's seven years of grinding. Oh, he was born with it. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he forgot the seven years. He probably would be offended if you said that to him. You know, totally. he took away all the seven years of hard work and, you know, the work ethic to get there and the millions of rounds of golf, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably, and we don't have the Olympics this year, but that's one of the things about the Olympics that I've loved lately is watching the story, like the, how they got to this mm-hmm. point story. And it's always the you know, hours in the gym or in the pool or, you know, the parents who are bringing their kids to the hockey rink at two in the morning or, you know, whatever it is. I think it's, it's, you forget about that. You think that, oh man, that person is just an amazing performer, but there takes time. takes Have you seen, uh, speaking of the Olympics, weight of gold? No. Oh, you have to go watch it. Sorry. Side quick tangent, but everybody, this is an amazing, I think it's a documentary. It might be on Netflix, but Okay. weight of gold and it's like the weight of gold around their neck and what it takes to get there okay. and them kind of mortgaging pun intended their life away at a young age to get the gold and it I won't ruin it but it's an amazing uh, documentary and it shed light on things uh, mental health was a big part of it that I was shocked to watch these top performers share these stories I really don't want to ruin it, but you guys got to go watch it. Way to gold. Okay. Anyways. Way yeah. to gold. Awesome. Did it give you just, did it follow specific athletes or just kind of? Yeah, like- there's uh, Michael Phelps narrates, but he also tells his own personal story, which was shocking to me because you don't see that side of him. You've only seen the, you know, champion, you know, Superman on his chest guy. So he gets real vulnerable. And then 
there's seven other Olympic athletes that also tell their story. Um, Sean White, the snowboarder, Lola yeah. Jones, and then a handful of others. And it's, it's just amazing. It's relevant to the conversation we're having. And then it's also super interesting to see them get vulnerable and share how they got there and what it cost them. I always tell RC this, like everything comes at a cost, totally. everything being a good husband, which sounds weird. Like, yes, of course we should be good husbands and good fathers. It all comes at a cost. Like you have to take time away from your professional career to have work-life balance, to be a good husband and a good father. You can say that louder for the people in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Everything has a cost. Nobody likes to look at the cost. They look at like to look at the price. So if you want to be relevant at a high level, a world-class level, it's going to cost you a lot. Tiger Woods, it cost, us, cost him his marriage, yeah, right? To be the most amazing golfer ever. There's a cost because you have, it's a, we did a show years ago called the four burner theory. It's a really interesting show on how there's only so much of you to go around. And so um, I'm going to butcher my own show, but it was like personal, professional, and a couple others. Well, you can only, you can have four burners on at 25% or you can have one at a hundred percent and the rest are at zero. A lot of elite athletes have that problem. Mm-hmm. Even Kobe had the problem. I love him, but that burner was on at a hundred percent and it took away from being a father, a husband and other things. And yes, you saw this amazing career, but there are costs and ramifications from that. I love that uh, analogy of the four burners. That's pretty, I mean, that's totally visual. You can absolutely relate to that and see it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, And and being strategic about your day. Another positive for that is you can find work-life balance. You can accomplish so much professionally throughout the day and still be a high, you know, top performer, but get home at a reasonable time to go be a good husband, father, wife, mother. Um, That's another reason why you want to be ultra strategic and efficient throughout your day. So you can do both. So you can still have work-life balance, still play hard after work. If you don't have any strategy, you work a 10 hour day that should have been a four. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's just a waste of little time that you could have just been working more efficiently. Well, and I think that, you know, you look back on your week and you're like, holy crap, it's Friday. What did I accomplish? And if you can look at your calendar and see all those things. Oh yeah. I did that. I did that. I did that. Yep. I talked to them. I accomplished yeah. it. I've been trying to, you know, do that thing. That's a I great to Ryan Hills. You know, I did all <laughs> these important things, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you can look at that all and you can see it. Whereas if you don't have a schedule, you don't have a structure, you don't, you just kind of fly by the seat of your pants. You know, you don't remember what you did, you know, yeah. life, life just kind of flies by. Cool. Yeah. I, I love the way to gold. I'm excited to watch that. Um, are you a big reader? Do you, do you find yourself reading frequently? I have a lot of books and I was just the, the loan officer I was talking to the new one before this call, we just had this conversation because she was like, I don't like to read and I have a, a short attention span. I'm like, I freaking hate reading. First of all, I cannot stand it. What's weird is I won't allow myself to do a digital book though. So I've never done one. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, because for some reason in my weird head, I value, you know, the actual paper because I highlight and then take notes on the books that I have. Okay. And she asked me, it was a weird question. She goes, well, why, why do you do that? Like, why do you read self-help books? And I don't like calling them self-help. Like I got triggered. I hate that word. <laughs> but I was like, wait, what? Self-help. I'm like, no, I, I'm, I love reading these styles of books. There's a couple of them here because they're refining me. They're like pushing me to be a, a better version, which I always share with my team. Like I'm on Ryan Hill's version 43.0 and shame <laughs> on me if I don't get to 44.0. Like 
reading another opposing view or being challenged by somebody else that thinks or believes a certain way only helps me refine myself. And reading these books, you know, help me do that. And they help refine my position, help me become a better version of myself. So that was kind of my answer to a question, like, why do you read self-help books? Right. Um, Personal growth, personal growth. (laughs) It's a challenging book. We should always, you know, challenge ourselves to be better versions of ourselves. I don't know if that's labeled self-help or just a really good book that made me, you know, question the thing or refine a strategy. Yeah. Um, So I usually, I've had this thing going for five years and I have to stop because my bookshelf's getting huge. Is anytime, (laughs) no matter where I was, I made a commitment. If anybody said, hey, Hose, have you ever read? blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I'd have to pick up Amazon and buy the book. That was my okay. commitment. Cause I'm like, if I'm talking to them, it's probably somebody I value. Mm-hmm. And if they're throwing something out that helped them become a better version of themselves, then I should probably read it. And so I've done that for five years. And so I've got this big arsenal of books and I haven't gotten through them all, but that's the reason why I read. I don't think I've ever read a fiction book. Um, so I don't like reading, reading stories, but I do like being challenged. And that's the style of book that, I, that I'll read. And then, like I told her, it's one thing to read. It's another thing to read, retain, and then implement. Right. So I actually have a strategy when I read that I'll read, highlight, like I said. And then I've, now I'm printing out the executive summary, a little okay. life hack. If, you're, if you don't know that, they exist. It'll take a whole book and knock it down to four or five pages. It's just the meat. Um, don't like the keep, uh, read the book first and then the summary. A lot <laughs> of people just read notes. the summary. <laughs> like in college. But then I print out the summary and I slide that in the book and then I kind of write my notes of what really I want to take away or implement, you know, the big aha moments in those books. I like that. Um, anything that you have read recently that you recommend or that you were telling your LO earlier? An old book I was recommending to her was called Start With No. It's a really good book written by a, a negotiator that was negotiating military contracts that were worth billions. And so if you're in sales and everything's a negotiation, no matter if you believe it or not, like everything, even with your wife and you're talking to her is a negotiation, whether you're going to do the dishes or not, Right. like everything's a negotiation. This will help you negotiate better and communicate better. And that's a really good old school book. Start with no. 12-week year I read this year that was recommended by Casey Croft. I think that's an amazing book. It's simple read, helps you uh, schedule your day and your week like we talked about and, and accomplish a lot of things. And it's, the premise is essentially, instead of setting uh, one-year goals, you're chunking that up into smaller achievable goals and smaller timeframes, so 12 weeks. Yeah, and we've like- implemented that with my team. And one of the things that I did that I'm proud of is we added a personal savings goal. So we're fortunate to have a lot of business in our business right now. Sure. And I've been around for a while, so I know how this goes. We make a lot of money. People tend to spend a lot of money. So I've been really passionate about trying to help my team save money. And so I've asked them to set aside personal savings goals. And we've been doing this all year. And so we've had these 12 weeks come and go. And they're hitting their volume goals and their personal goals. And they're hitting their savings goals, which is really cool to me because it's like, I didn't think I could save this much money. Not only did I did that, but another 30% more. Right. That's amazing. And because you never know, especially in the real estate industry, the peaks and valleys happen. And, you know, when when one valley, you don't know when that's going to start and you don't know when it's going to end. So it's always great to have savings and, and, you know, some backup money. There's a horrible saying in our business that, oh, he or she has made it and lost it more times than I can count. Ooh. I don't ever want to make and lose anything. Like Ooh. I want to 
you know, constantly build on what I've accomplished in yesteryear. So yeah. I, I learned that at an early age. Um, and I was fortunate to, I say fortunate, I didn't misspeak to live through the great recession. It taught me a lot yeah. and saving, no matter if you're in our industry or not and preparing for a rainy day, hashtag COVID right now right. will never be a bad idea. It'll never go out of style. Right. And it'll yeah. give you some freedom to act and behave how you want versus out of des- desperation. Right. Or turn around and, and use that money to make more money and, you know, invest in, and then right. buffer your, your life even further. Yeah. Yeah. So, I like to think of my money like soldiers. I want it to go out and find more soldiers for me, but that only happens if I invest. That's smart. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> little little dollar bill soldiers running. Exactly. Around. Go find more friends, please, and bring them right. back. Make friends multiply. They're like little rabbits. I like to think of them as rabbits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> multiply like rabbits. Right. <laughs> so what's in Ryan Hills's next five-year plan? That was a question my dad always asked me if I, when I was growing up, you know, write down your five-year plan. And he actually saved a few of them and they're pretty hilarious to look at. So oh, really? 10 years from now, we'll look back at this and I can't wait to hear what you said, but what's, what's that's, coming up that's for funny. you? I should do that. Um, you should do my five-year plan. I mean, it's, I have big goals that I don't know that I'll be able to accomplish, uh, but I will, you know, try. Sure. But, you know, we have an amazing group of people here or one of the top markets in the entire country. You know, I'd like to continue and my, my, my goal that I believe can be achieved, but it's going to be really hard is, is try to be in a seat like a Casey Crawford where you're influencing the, the whole entire company. Mm-hmm. And I love this business. I'm plugged into it. Um, I eat, sleep, drink it, you know, try to connect with anybody that is also passionate about it. So um, I'd love to be in that seat and continue to try to, you know, drive our, our organization um, that's already thriving into, you know, uncharted territory. Well, and I think that that isn't a stretch either. You're already in that kind of a seat where you are influencing the industry big time. And you have been for, you know, since you started the RE Source. Um, you, you're surrounding yourself with some pretty amazing people and, you know, you really are crushing it. And so I don't think that that's a stretch. I think you got to start thinking bigger than that, Ryan. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love the challenge. Yeah. Renee Rodriguez just said the same thing to me in an Amplify event over yeah. three days. And I wrote it down. Actually, it's, it's in my office. Um, he actually said it in a different way. He said, why are you playing so small, Ryan? Yeah. And, uh, that, that spoke to me and hit me right between the eyes. And, you know, we have lofty goals for the RE source too. We've accomplished so much. Um, but I, I don't think we've even scratched the surface on the capabilities of our team and, and the value that we can provide for, again, the biggest industry in, in America. Awesome. I love it. I love it. I love um, all the stuff you've chatted with me about today. This has been fantastic. Um, I'm excited to get this out there and have people listen to it. How can people get in touch with you or hear more about you and the RE Source? What's the best way? Yeah, I'd love for them to join our community. It's it's theresource.tv. And then we're also on Facebook, um, just the RE Source, which is short for the real estate source. Most people don't know that. Uh, but that is the best way. I, I would love for you to be a part of our community, interact with our shows, share and like, comment. You know, we're constantly in there uh, engaging with our community. Um, so I love to hear their thoughts, feedback. Sometimes it's negative. Hopefully, but the more times it's positive. Uh, but I would love for, for them to reach out to us and be a part of our community. That's the ultimate reward for us. Awesome. Any uh, last parting words that you want to share or any last pieces of wisdom? 
No, I'll tell you, you know, what I'm working on again, like I said, working on Ryan Hills 43.0. Okay. Um, I brought some notes. I didn't know if we're going to get there, but in closing, this is what I'm working on right now. And it seems really basic. Okay. You know, maybe some of the things that I've shared seem basic with, which is work ethic, you know, pushing past failure, having a plan and a strategy. This last one's probably going to seem basic, but this comes from John Maxwell. So I'm fortunate enough to be coached by one of the best authors in America yeah. and mentored under John Maxwell. I just hung up with him earlier this morning and he asked kind of a, or didn't ask, he kind of talked about a similar question and, and topic, which is what sets people apart professionally, like the, the truly top. And out of all the attributes, he chose attitude. And I've, I, there's several people on that call that are CEOs, executives, and myself, lowly Ryan Hills. <laughs> so I'm learning and writing down a bunch of notes from my conversations on that call. And John Maxwell is talking about attitude. And he, he's, I mean, he's worked with like the owners of Chick-fil-A. I mean, this was, he's been doing this for years, right? Like the best of the best in America running the best organizations he's coached. And he says attitude. And I'm like, well, that seems very basic. <laughs> of course we should have a positive attitude. And the more I kind of let my guard down, cause I'm like, yeah, I've already figured that out. Uh, <laughs> the more I learned, uh, and I took some notes and I, I brought them because I, I knew I wasn't going to remember them because I'm working on this now. So this is what I'm being challenged with. And I wrote down um, five things. So having a positive attitude is essential. It's not only determines, it not only determines the level of contentment you have as a person, but it also impacts how others interact with you. True. And I'm, I'm, there's times that I'm positive, but I'm also a realist. So I don't mind like if we're in the mud going, yeah, we're in the mud right now. This sucks. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but I'm being challenged to be even more positive more frequently and have that positive attitude because I love what it said. It determines your level of contentment as yourself, mm-hmm. but also impacts how others interact, if you, interact with you. And that's pretty easy to understand. Like, yeah, if you're negative, yeah. of course, people are going to be negative back towards you. The second one I wrote down is when you choose to focus on positive, the positive in your surroundings, you, te- you tend to see positive things. I mean, that's the most relevant thing we can talk about with COVID. I mean, so many people, including myself, get, you know, struggle with Facebook and social media and the news just pulling you down. Well, that's the opposite of focusing on positive things. Absolutely. Not that we bury our head in the sand, but we can focus on the positive and kind of tune out the negative. And, and I think if we all collectively did that, we might actually be able to move the needle in a positive direction yeah, versus what we faced all year, which is just kind of seems like hate and division. And yeah, we have a lot of things as a society we need to work on, but I think you fix that with love and positivity versus pointing out and dividing people. So that was a big one that hit me between the eyes. Uh, actions always are always an outward expression of your inner feelings. When you change how you feel, you change how you act. I like that. I like yeah. That. And that one hit me between the eyes. So these are all things that I'm working on that I'm looking at every day to stay, you know, top of mind. Uh, the fourth one, if you start with a negative attitude about a person, you tend to focus on all the negative qualities. A positive attitude about a person causes you to, uh, to focus on their positive qualities. What Maxwell does, and this was also a huge aha moment, when he meets somebody for the first time, he assesses them at 10. Okay. Now me, <laughs> on the other hand, and I'm working on this, I tend to force people to earn my respect. Yeah. So I'll joke around, like I might give a person a one. It's not right. that low, um, right. but they're no, definitely no. <laughs> earning, earning the two and earning the three and four and yep. five and six. And I just thought, what an amazing positive approach to do the opposite and assign everybody a 10. 
Now you may be able to lose that based off of your actions. Sure. But I would rather be that positive force like John Maxwell and see the best in everybody and start with a 10. And so I really am being challenged with changing my perspective in the way that I interact with people, especially initially. Yeah. Um, I like that I know a lot. The world will burn you. And so you tend to kind of have those scars on you. And, and that's why people maybe are more reserved or, or wait to have people show their true colors and earn respect. I get that. Right. I've lived that. But what a positive, cool way to, to go out throughout life, just seeing the best of people and assigning them tens. Right. And, and it kind of goes back to what you had originally said too, is that it changes your attitude. It changes how you react to people. If you see them as a 10 mm-hmm. and then it, that it'll change how they react to you too. So it's yes. kind of like a, a, you know, domino effect of yes. positivity. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Full circle. Uh, and then the last one again, seems super uh, easy, maybe sophomorical, but don't let negative, the, the negative voices in your head, influence how you see things because that'll obviously influence how you see the world if it's you know if you're constantly in your head negatively obviously that changes how you see things so immediately find the positive in the situation before moving forward remember you can choose what you think and i've taken that i took that to my son when i heard that because he's 16 17 years old and he's been struggling with covid and he's not working out with his friends not seeing his friends not getting out he's out of his routine and he was having a tough time with it. And that killed me as a father who prides himself at trying to be a good dad. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't pivoted fast enough during COVID because my son is struggling with this. Right. And he was doing exactly that. He was stuck in his head, constantly worrying about the negative things, including like the election, like, bro, you can't even, you can't even vote yet. Why do you care? <laughs> you know, and then mask and all these other things, including school. And I, I just had to take that to him and say, Hey bud, mm-hmm. uh, vulnerable trying to be vulnerable and this is what we should do as parents like we're constantly learning we're not perfect hey bud this is what i'm learning and i'm working hard at this and i feel like this might be something that you'll find valuable and we shared and talked about it over the dinner table and he was like yeah dad like that that is it means the world i need to change and i'm like yeah and i need to help you get there and be accountable and when i see you kind of getting quiet and alone in your thoughts like what are you thinking? Remember you, I kept telling Carson, remember you can change the way you think. Yeah. You know, it doesn't all have to be focusing on the negative and what has been taking away from us this year. Yeah, no doubt. I think that that's super important for you to be able to pass it on to your kids, but in order to be able to do that, you got to recognize it yourself too. Right. So, and I think, uh, I think it was Wayne Dyer that said, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Love and that. so it's kind of like the same thing. If you, if you decide, okay, you know, we, we've been stuck in the house and we haven't been able to be out and do all the things we want to do, but look at all this family time and the growth that we've had together as a group or, you know, whatever it is, whatever the positive right. thing that has come out of it. Um, if you look at it in a more positive light and you attract that positivity to you, I mean, I think that that's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. So thank you for letting me share. That's the stuff I'm working on at this moment. There's quite a few other things that Maxwell brought up. I just thought it was interesting that the world's best best author working with the best people in the world thought that positive attitude was the most, you know, the number one, most highly rated uh, attribute between top performers and not. So I love it. Yeah. I I mean, it, it sounds simplistic, but when you think more about it, it's not easy to, to do. And it's not, it can be, but it's not necessarily our first um, step that we take. Yeah. For me, it doesn't come authentically. It doesn't mean I can't change it. Sure. You know, 
it's just going to take time and commitment to to change that. And eventually, kind of like we talked about earlier, it will be part of my DNA. Yep. Right now, it's not. So I got to keep jumping in the dump in, the deep end with this. Yeah, I love it. Look at that full circle. You came around back to the deep end. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, it has been awesome chatting with you. Thank you for your time. I know you're a busy guy, so I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to chat with me. Yeah, um, and this is so, amazing. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us on the Idaho Physio. We hope you gained some insights, inspiration, and some ideas on how to be amongst the top performers and high achievers in the world. Know someone that's crushing it that we should talk to? Let us know. As always, we welcome your feedback. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and share our podcast with friends, family, heck, even complete strangers. Because, hey, who couldn't use a little inspiration these days? Thanks again. Now get out there and be amazing.